It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners, my friends, and fellow CFPs, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. That's right. Well, friends, we are approaching the end of another calendar year, and that makes now a great time to take inventory in your financial life. Make sure there isn't time-sensitive planning work that you need to have done before we start another year. And uh, that's why today we're sharing our year-end financial planning checklist for 2019. It's coming up on this hour of Wise Money. That's right. We've got some great questions from you guys that we're going to be hitting in the second half of the program. If you have a question, reach out to us. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. It's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at on social media, we're there too. You can submit questions right there. Search for The Wise Money Show, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and submit questions right there. We'll get back to you, and then we'll air it, air that question on an upcoming program. All right. I, I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's just me, but I I just feel like Christmas has come way too fast this year. And I think maybe the late Thanksgiving, I don't, I don't really know. But normally I brag because I'm like, I'm ready and sort of like, you know, Christmas and this time of year, but I don't feel like I'm ready for this. Anyway, <laughs> maybe it's just me. But uh, I'm feeling extra optimistic. It's December 21st is the shortest day or at least daylight year or day of the year. Right. It's uh, it's my my favorite day of the year because it's the most optimistic day of the year. Each day gets a little longer from here through June. I I love it. And I actually I was baiting you to say that because I actually love hearing you say that. But like it or not, 2020 <laughs> is right around the corner. And the because I'm, you know, you, you, you wake up and you start your day, it's dark. Yeah. You leave work, it's dark. And so I need I need to hear you keep saying that, Joshua. We need to record that. And I'll just listen to it on the way to, <laughs> into the office. But uh, so the start of a new year is a convenient time to take inventory and sort of uh, say, all right, what's, what do we need to do moving forward? But it's really the end of the year that means some financial strategies go uh, by the wayside. And so what are those financial things that in this hustle and bustle time, you need to at least consider and say, okay, should I do that? Should I not? Because they expire on after 1231. We're going to talk about our top five and then any others to make sure you're on top of it this year. The first one we talk about a lot, and that is, should you do a Roth conversion? That's right. You have a a strong deadline. It has to be done in this calendar year. Otherwise, it will count for next year. I feel like, boy, November and December is the perfect time to be assessing this in the context of a tax projection. Because what you're trying to determine is how much money should you pull out of a traditional IRA, move it into a Roth IRA, and you're going to pay some tax, or at least count that as income on this year's tax return, you need to know, well, what's the sweet spot? How much should you be considering on this type of a maneuver? Yeah, and specifically, who are we talking to? I would, I'm talking to the adult child 
who's taking care of mom and dad, and mom and dad aren't paying any taxes or very little, but they have an IRA. They, mom and dad need to be looking at it again. If we if we're defining winning the game, mom and dad need to be looking at how much tax should I be willing to accept at the lowest possible rate over my lifetime. And certainly, and, we, and we've talked about this as well, if I live in Michigan and I can pull money out of a retirement plan without paying state taxes, will the beneficiaries of these accounts pay state taxes? So this is, we, wa- we want to create the greatest arbitrage play possible as it relates to tax planning opportunities. Just a reminder, Roth conversions, um, they need to be done by the 31st. You can't just send an email on the 31st and say, hey, do this for me. Um, it's got to be it's got to be done. And there's no um, there's no undo button yeah. like there used to be this recharacterization idea, which you didn't even know was an idea because technically it's not even a word. You type that into Microsoft <laughs> and there's a red Doesn't squiggly line you. under it. That's right. <laughs> but it used to be a real thing where you could um, say, oh, I look at my tax return from that Roth conversion I did last year. I don't like it. I, I didn't mean to do that or didn't mean to do that much. You can undo. Not anymore, folks. So once it's once it's done and the calendar year is over, it's done. So you need to look at how much tax you plan on paying this year, what your tax bracket is. And if you've got pre-tax money, you got to consider doing a Roth conversion. A couple other quick things with this. If you're in the 22% tax bracket and you'd say, well, that's the third step up, you know, third step. Listen, that's cheaper than it was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That's cheaper than the 28% tax bracket a couple years ago. So, um, so I don't know. I, these tax rates are pretty favorable. And that it doesn't matter what tax bracket you're in. Although I would say if you're in the 10 or 12% bracket, it's a there's a higher likelihood that you could pay tax on some of your IRA money today and avoid potentially higher uh, tax rates in the future. But that ultimately is the real question. It's can you move money from the IRA to the Roth, pay a lower tax now than you would have otherwise paid if you just waited until you got to retirement? So when, Kevin, you were talking about Roth conversions for mom and dad, that just made me think of another deadline here, and that is your required minimum distribution. You've got until 1231 to take that required amount out and uh, it's okay if you forget to do it. It's only the stiffest tax penalty in the books. Yeah. The penalty is 50% and you still have to pay the tax. So don't forget to do this. And for mom and dad where you've been doing it and it's probably automatic, no big deal. If you inherited an account from mom or dad or someone else, you've got to do it too. Right. So Mike's talking to two different groups. The folks that are 70 and a half that have retirement money, IRA money, tradi- let's call it traditional IRA money, or 401k money. You've got to take a distribution from that money. You, If if you are alive and it's your Roth IRA, you never have to take a required minimum distribution. Yep. Mm-hmm. But make sure you're doing that. But if you've inherited either an IRA or a Roth IRA, make sure that your required minimum distribution has been satisfied for tax year 2019. And just just in case you think um, you're you're smart, you got this, you cannot convert your required minimum distribution. So so don't don't blend those two ideas that we've talked about here. All right. The second idea is 
any giving that you want to do for charitable donations and, and getting a deduction on this year's taxes, you need to have that gift done by 1231 as well. So, so implement your giving strategy before the end of the year. And, and I bring that up because, and I say it that way because you might say, well, I don't even get charitable deductions anymore on my taxes. Well, maybe you need to consider a giving strategy. Well, and here's one that didn't go away just because the federal laws changed a couple years ago. So, so yes, it may be harder for you to get a federal write-off, but there are some here in the state of Indiana, for example, where uh, a married couple that gives money to a college or university here within the state can get a tax credit on their state returns of 50% on the first couple hundred dollars that they each give. So essentially, you know, you could be giving money to a, a college or university here in the state and give 400 bucks and it only costs you 200 out of your pocket. That's good math there, Josh. Yeah. And, um, Josh, who's on the board of Bethel, would want to remind you <laughs> yeah, right. that Bethel Bethel they is told me to say Beth, that Bethel <laughs> is still accepting contributions. So um, yeah, get that done seriously. That's a, that's a sweet. You put your four hundred bucks in, get two hundred bucks back, and um, you feel pretty good about what you've done there. Um, and the other thing that I would consider is if you are seventy and a half or older, and you have an IRA. Consider giving giving money directly from the IRA directly to the church, to the university, to wherever, because that money therefore never shows up on your tax return. And that you can do with your required minimum distribution. That's right. In fact, it has to be your required minimum distribution for it to work. It's called a qualified charitable distribution, and um, that's a that's a good thing to take advantage of. Okay, so something else though, you might say, hey, at the eleventh hour here, I'm not sure I can I can pull that off. That requires some extra thinking there. Um, if you've got other stock or other investments that you want to contribute, if you have a donor advised fund already set up, the the clock is ticking here for you to make those donations to try to get um, it to help you on your taxes this year. What about some ways to improve your 401k savings before the end of the year? That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you taking advantage of all of the tax planning or financial planning strategies that have a 1231 deadline? That's the list we're making for you today and helping you take those steps before it's too late for this calendar year. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. As always, my name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KF2 Studios my business partners, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the Wise Money Show. Thank you very much. If you're looking for all the Wise Money content you can get your hands on, you'll find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And then wherever you're at on social media, we're there too. Just search the Wise Money Show and subscribe to it so you're up to date on all Wise Money content. All right. The first couple things that need to be on your year-end checklist for your finances are, should you do a Roth conversion? If so, you better hustle. You got a little bit of time left, but it's got to be done. Next, have you taken your required minimum distribution yet? And um, whether that's from an inherited IRA or a Roth, or it's your own and you're over 70 and a half, your own IRA, 
then you got to make sure you do that. Otherwise, it's a big penalty. Third, do you have a giving strategy and has it been implemented? In order for it to help you on your state return, if you're giving to a an Indiana um, college or university, or if you're itemizing your, de- your deductions, you've got to make those gifts before the end of the year. Here's the third one, a little obscure. Should you goose up your 401k savings on your last paycheck of the year, or maybe your HSA savings, or maybe your tax withholdings? Is there any last second financial strategy you can do with your last paycheck of the year? That one doesn't feel as practical to me for just one paycheck. Come on, Josh. It's terribly practical. If we were having this conversation a month or two ago and you were going to take the last quarter of the year, let's Mm -hmm. say, and really ramp up your 401k, sometimes that can make a ton of sense. I, I remember doing that this time last year with a brand new client who uh, he was going to have a really large, or he did have a really large bonus, uh, extra income in the year. And so he basically just, uh, he, he chose to forego most of his paycheck for the last uh, few few pay periods so he could end up maxing out his 401k. Is that the guy who was living at your house? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it, that's hard to pull off, right? You got to have cash in right. order to uh, replace that that paycheck. But I, I'm more of a fan personally of, and I thought this is where you were going, if you know because you've done a tax projection for the year that actually you came in too low on the amount you were having withheld from your paycheck for, for taxes, or maybe you miss some opportunity to really max out of a 401k at work. Well, don't let that same mistake spill over into next year. And go ahead, make the change now, even though it will only take effect for this last pay period maybe. But you're setting yourself up potentially to get a better result next year. So I, I wouldn't disagree that if there's some end of year planning that needs to happen with your paycheck, the earlier you do that, the better. But there is still time. I mean, if you do have a bonus coming yeah. in the last week of the year, you could make the decision to say, yeah, that bonus, it could uh, go into that new flat screen TV, or I could avoid tax on it and have it go into my 401k or HSA. So there right. still might be yeah. time. I And I, I am supporting Mike in his campaign to become voted least favorite person by the payroll by the payroll department (laughs) slash hr department um but here so that least favorite person (laughs) of 2019 (laughs) i was thinking you know my son joshua just won soldier of the week and i'm thinking you what would the opposite of soldier of the week be because mike is going for it here we go but no 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 but here's so joshua uh, as usual, is right. Our Joshua here in the studio, he's right. He is right. You you wanted to be doing this 401k cram it in a uh, couple months ago. It might be uh, a tricky maneuver. But if you are, for instance, a business owner yep. or an executive of a smaller corporation where you are more nimble, there could be a special pay where um, you say, hey, listen, instead of taking my bonus a certain way, just do a, just do a paycheck for me and withhold all of it uh, into the 401k. So, there, so there, are, there are some ways, depending on the structure of the business and the organization. The other thing that I would think about, and this is um, 
this creates a little bit of complexity. But if you know for sure you are going to have an unusual event, there is a windfall that happened this year, whether it's a bonus, whether um, I, don't, I don't know what the event is, but there's your tax situation is going to be different. You're going to owe a bunch of money in taxes. And it's possible that you um, – are going to have underpaid. I, I've seen this in situations where there was a business that was sold and the windfall caused a pretty dramatic penalty. Right. So mm-hmm. one of the ways that you can avoid this is you can pull money out of your IRA, have it withheld for taxes. The federal government looks at this as the state does, as if that money was paid in equally throughout the year. So that helps because it's very different than writing a check for an estimate. Yeah. So I, I pull money out of my IRA, have it withheld for taxes, and then depending on my age, I either let that go and be part of my strategy or within 60 days, I pull money out of a different pocket and replace the money I took out. So that pulling money out of the IRA and withholding. Love that strategy. We do it a lot for folks here at KFG this time of year. When do you need to have that done? Well, you have to have it done before the end of the year. That's right. Because, and it's confusing because you say, well, wait a minute, I don't have to have my fourth quarter estimate done until January 15th. Well, if you pull money out of your IRA and have it withheld after January 1st, it's January 1st or after, it's it's going to count in the calendar year in, in which that event took place. That's right. Yep. Great idea. Um, fourth, this one might be... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. So were you going to say something about HSA contributions? Yeah, uh, but until Josh told me I was wrong. <laughs> well, okay. I hurt your feelings and you went silent no, there. No, you huh? didn't. No, you didn't, Josh. <laughs> but Guess who's not getting a present this year? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the cool things about an HSA, though, we've talked in the past about how there's more than one way to get money into an HSA. You can, as Mike was bringing up, you could beef up the contribution that comes out of your paycheck. I said goose up. You said goose up. Okay. Uh, I prefer red meat. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, or the other option is write a check, yep. right? And you can actually do that uh, even into next calendar year. You have a little bit of extra time to maybe max out a health savings account for 2019. This one might be a little late, but uh, hopefully you've already done it. You've, you've, there's a deadline to pick your employee benefits for next year. And so if, you, if that window is still open for you and you haven't intentionally decided what benefits apply and which ones you want to use for next year, I'm assuming that deadline, if, if it hasn't already passed, it's coming up very quickly. You've got to decide uh, what you're going to contribute. And um, that sort of ties into the, to the fifth idea or sixth idea, which is set up right now your automated savings for 2020. So if you have an idea of, I want to be saving even more into my 401k next year, well, you could, I guess, make that change in February or March or June. But if you want that to apply for every paycheck starting in 2020 and going throughout the entire year, I'd make that change now. I, honestly, I'd encourage you, what's stopping you from going and logging in right now to your 401k online and increasing that contribution by 2%? I would just, I would just do that now. It takes effect for the whole year. Absolutely. And I was thinking the same thing there when you when you're talking about electing benefits. There's some benefits that you know that 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 ship has sailed. I can't I can't go back and 
uh, elect a different health plan or elect a different amount of company paid life insurance or what have you. But I can go in and make sure that when I'm when I'm logging into my 401k or 403b, whatever I have, I can make sure that the rebalance election has been selected so that my account is getting rebalanced. I can make sure that my beneficiaries are elected and I can uh, toggle back and forth between traditional or Roth contributions and I can go in and move the needle just one percentage point. So if I'm putting in 5% because my company's putting in 4% and it's a safe harbor plan, that's 9%. I would say, hey, take the 5% that you're doing and bump it 1%. You'll yeah. never miss it. Yeah. And if you're if you're listening and you have access to a computer right now, just do it. Yeah. There's a little bonus content I'm going to share during the break on the YouTube channel about that. And then we're going to wrap this up. What else should you do in your financial life before the end of the year? And then a great question from Tom from South Bend. That and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you have the option, number one, if you have a pension, period, but if you have an option to take that pension lump sum, should you do it? In the wake of all the uncertainty that's going on, should you do that? We've got that question we're going to hit in just a second. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. want to say thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team of Inspired Realtors on the Inspired Homes team. If you're not watching the show on the YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to check it out. Just go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, click that bell for notifications, and essentially you get a a couple things for doing that. Number one, you get all the bonus content, which we were just having in in the breaks. We We just keep talking here in the studio, and so you'll catch all that. Number two, you'll catch um, other videos that we post throughout the month, whether it's on how to prepare for a recession or the best way to budget, all those sorts of things you get there as well. And you have the opportunity, it's another way to leave comments, leave questions. So I would encourage you to go there and do that. Hit that like button, share it to friends that you think need to see it as well. All right, so before we transition into listener questions, what else, is there anything else that you guys would say, hey, you've got to do this before the end of the year, by the end of the year in your financial life. Well, you know, one of the popular tools that we're often bringing attention to on this show, especially for those of you who live in Indiana, is the 529 plan. And if you've set it as a goal to help your kids or grandkids with college expenses at some point out in the future, this is an amazing tool because it gives some great tax savings that, quite frankly, most states don't offer. It's, it's a pretty lucrative deal here in Indiana. Uh, the first $5,000 that you contribute to the Indiana 529 plan could make you eligible for a 20% credit. So in other words, 5000 into the account for your son or daughter, grandchild, and you get $1,000 off your tax return as long as you've got at least that much tax on the return. Yeah, It's got to be done before the end of the year, though, so not a lot of time. Right. And and am, am I remembering correctly that it can't be postmarked by the end of the year? It's got to be in the account. That's right. So really think by Christmas that things got to be in the mail. 
Yeah, and I think we all operate a little bit better with a deadline. So I would set myself a deadline that by the end of the year, I'm going to carve out some time to sit down with whoever it is that my finances are intertwined with, my spouse, my fill-in-the-blank. Um, if you're single and um, your your folks are helping you with your finances, sit, sit down with them. H- have them help you. But I, I, would, I would really get great clarity on what it is I'm trying to achieve in the year 2020, and I would – uh, start it, 2020 is a blank canvas. I would start to paint on that canvas now. Absolutely. You know, we did an entire show about year-end tax planning. And, uh, you know, I would give that one honorable mention as well. If you haven't already begun building a tax forecast for what this year's return is going to look like, you still have a couple weeks, right? You still have a little bit of time to uh, maybe crunch those numbers with the help of your certified financial planner or your CPA. But it's important for you to know how this year is going to end and also begin turning your attention to next year. Because what if next year is just going to be that different in your financial life? And you need to make adjustments January 1, not discover the adjustments that need to be made uh, you know, sometime in April or May when part of the year has already gone. If you don't have your meeting scheduled with your CFP on the books right now, I'd encourage you to get that done as well. And that's not a sh- you know a, a, a um, shameful plug here because Kay at, at Corhorn Finance Group, we work as a team. We have got a, a team of advisors that all work together. We can't serve everyone though, and so um, so we're happy to help. But at the same time, if you have another CFP, you got to have that on your calendar because if I can just take a step. 2020 should be the year of clarity, right? 2020 vision. And so your certified financial planner should be bringing clarity, confidence, and creativity to your financial life. And as Kevin often says, even calm as well. They should be bringing calm to your financial life. Yeah. And And that, that, and, and again, a lot of times when, um, when I'm in a social setting, I don't like to let people know what I do because is they say, oh, so what do you do? You say, well, I'm a financial planner. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go get some more punch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, I've got one of those. I'm like, sweet. I, a, as you should. I would hope everyone does. I believe I'm, that everyone should have a financial planner. But make sure you have a financial planner, not just an investment salesperson, not not someone that just focuses on one area of your financial life. I can't tell you how many folks I've worked with in the past year that came to me that already had a, a relationship with a different professional, but that professional wasn't doing financial planning. But in their mind, they're like, well, I got, I got a guy, I got a gal, so I'm good. And you're good if they're looking at the six areas of CFP, present financial position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement planning, estate planning. If they're addressing those six areas of your financial life, you should be good. Formally, in a formal process. Right. Not just kind of touching on them when you ask. Correct. Yeah. Leading you right. through those areas. Right, right. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, let's transition to questions from fans of the show. We've got the first one. It's a great question here from Tommy, 63 from South Bend. My company has a pension plan. Bravo. That's great. So my company has rare. It's very rare. Company has a pension plan that I can take a lump sum or 
draw it out monthly in a variety of different ways. With all this talk about pensions freezing, is it wise to draw it lump sum? If I remember correctly, Kevin, we did a case class about some new folks you've been helping that had a similar situation earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were really up until about a week before we sat down to go over this, they were thinking, hey, I've got great confidence in the company. I worked there for, for 30 years. Uh, everything I've read about the pension fund says it's fully funded. And, and it's So the week before we meet, they read where the, the funding, there's a funding issue with the plan. Hmm. And um, so it's it's not one of these scenarios where uh, the the there's a because with a pension fund there's actually a fund manager and um yeah. so the the managers make choices and selections on how the funds get invested and managed for the benefit of the uh pensioners the, That's I, right. I think the question is sort of i mean it's a financial planning question but the more i think about it in today's world it's sort of do you want to see the investment volatility or do you not want to see it? Mm -hmm. It used to be, do you want to live with the investment volatility or not? But the truth is, you're going to live with it either way. If those investments do poorly, guess what? You're going to, get, you're going to receive a notice saying, hey, your pension has been cut or it's been frozen or whatever. So no matter what, you live with the investment risk. It's just, do you want to see it? And, and you wouldn't necessarily believe that but when, in 2009, I had a client that was receiving about $3,000 a month. And in May of 2009, got a letter and said, listen, we had a choice whether to shut down the pension fund altogether or reduce the monthly payouts. And we've elected to reduce the monthly payouts. We will let you know in September via a letter what you're going to be receiving. And he, he got a letter in September saying, hey, the $3,000 we've been sending you is now going to be a little less than $2,500 a month. Wow. That, that's and, everyone's nightmare scenario. Well, you don't think that can happen. Yeah. You think, no, I, the, a promise is a promise is a promise. And if I've been told $3,000 is my number based on what I made and my years of service, et cetera, et cetera, that's what I'm going to get until I die. This is why you have to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's happening uh, with your pension plan. If, if you have a pension, on an annual basis, they send out a letter to you, a notification telling you about the general health of that pension. Is it fully funded or is it only you know, 90% funded? How much money is your employer going to have to dump into that plan to get it up to a legal funding uh, amount minimum? Mm -hmm. And you want to be aware if things are trending in the wrong direction, that could have an impact on how much confidence you have in the pension and ultimately what's the right decision for you at retirement. Yeah. Or is Ken Fisher helping your pension fund manage some of that money? <laughs> All right. So there's a little bit more here I want to, I want to uh, break down so those of you in a similar situation can um, can look at this from, from all sides. And then another great question here from Jenny. So we've got that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything and you enjoy listening to podcasts, you'll find the Wise Money Show right there. Every episode, wherever you listen to podcasts, just go there, search the Wise Money Show. Here's an idea. You know, they've got all these um, wireless headphones. So when you're supposed to be doing family time <laughs> over the holidays, just have one of these little earbuds in your ear. It looks like a hearing aid. And you'll just be doing family time. You'll be listening to Wise Money Principles. Just find us on podcasts, the Wise Money Show. Rate the show. Rate that joke. And leave comments as well. Failed. Yeah. And when your family kicks you out, go sit in Mike Bernard's living room. Yeah. I'll be doing the same thing. I'll have it. <laughs> All right. So Tom asked a great question. He's 63 from the South Bend. Hey, my my company has a pension. We can take it lump sum or draw it out monthly. Uh, should we take it lump sum because of all these risks with pensions? And um, what else would you add to that? Well, I, I guess I would just make the comment that this is becoming a very, very frequent question. You know, it, it seems like on a regular basis, we have clients that are being uh, forced to make a decision. They had thought for years that they were just going to reach age 65 and turn on the faucet and here comes the income. And now just a few years before it's time, their employer is saying, okay, you have a choice. Um, you can either uh, start taking a lump sum or take a lump sum right now, which we would recommend that you would roll that over to a traditional IRA so that you don't get clobbered with a whole bunch of taxes all in one and shot. And you've got a whole bunch of flexibility as well with that, yep. Right. Uh, or, uh, you know, some pension companies are transferring the whole thing to annuity companies to, to fulfill the obligation. The point is you're, you're being pushed into a decision point. And in my opinion, the best way to address this or to come to a conclusion is within the context of your financial plan, specifically that segment of your financial plan that we call the retirement projection. And uh, I had a client just uh, this past week who she needed to make a decision by the end of the month. And uh, what we did is we basically tested the two scenarios, either draw it as an income as she originally thought, or take the lump sum option and roll it into an IRA. And her particular retirement plan um, it it uh, favored the lump sum. It, it actually improved the odds of success that retirement was going to be successful for them um, or well-funded by doing the lump sum as opposed to the monthly draw for the rest of her life. Yeah, Tom, there, there are a number of considerations, but I'll just give you three that we don't know anything about. So our ability to coach you on this is is very limited. One consideration is, do you have a spouse? So is this a payout that you could take over your lifetime or two lifetimes? Because if you're a single guy, Tom, and you die, that it's quite possible that that stream of income would die with you. That's where, from a control standpoint, if you want to control things, if you roll it out of the pension fund, then you can name a beneficiary to that where you might not be able to if you were single. So what is your what is your marital situation? What's your health? If you are a picture of health and you say, hey, listen, I'm along, 
I come from a long line of long livers, and I may I might live long. Then you might consider <laughs> doing. Good do, one, Doctor Seuss. Uh, you might consider uh, doing the 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 payment uh, right. stream now. The and then that's that ties into the third one, which is well, what kind of payout rate are you getting from the pension fund? So. You might say, hey, I, I, I want a, a payout. And we've done this for clients. We've analyzed this. And we've said, hey, there's no way we can buy you a stream of income outside of the pension fund that would match what the pension fund will give you. But we've also seen the stream of income from the pension fund is kind of anemic relative to that lump sum. Yeah. So take that money out and let's create your own uh, stream of income. And that was the scenario that I ran into just this past week where the lump sum was just such a good deal compared to the little bit of income. And you never know and until you crunch the numbers, until you analyze it, there's no one size fits all decision on when it comes to pensions. You know, one other thing I'd consider is when you look, when you're doing that retirement projection, that retirement plan as part of your overall financial plan that Josh mentioned, if you find out that no, my other income sources are not, are enough, I mean, we're, we're going to be able to live comfortably on these other income sources, Social Security, and maybe your spouse has a small pension as well, or there's some other resource you say, no, we're, we're fine. Well, if you turn on a monthly income stream from your pension, all that really means is more taxes. And you don't have any control over those taxes. I think there's a, a, a guy, J.G., <laughs> when, who's who's made a living off of saying, you know, you want control, give me my money now, that sort of thing. And so if you don't need the income stream because you've got other income streams that are satisfactory, I'd take that lump sum. And then you have great flexibility over when you pay the taxes. You can do Roth conversions. You can draw money out. You can draw lump sums out for that new car or whatever. You've got choice. So it does give you a lot more choice. And you're right. Mike, if you turn on a, a fixed stream of income, there's no way you can make an adjustment to that. Right. There's no way you can say, hey, listen, we just inherited some money and we can, we don't owe any taxes on that, so we can take that money and live on it and stop the pension fund. You can't if it's coming from the pension fund. You could if it was a stream of income coming from your IRA. So there are lots of considerations here. Yeah, and, and if you say, well, that's crazy. I want more income. Yeah, I know, but if you don't really need it, that's just more taxes. So anyway, all right, great question. Jenny is 32 from Mishawaka. She's got our next question here. Speaking of extra money, I have some extra money that I could put on debt. Would you recommend paying off a car loan or a student loan first? Ooh, that's, that's sort of a tough one. Well, yeah. it's a tough one with the fact pattern that we have. Right. Yeah, we, Without so, all the details. So, yeah. details. Yeah. But, so, so what would the details be that you would want to have to, to make a decision on this? Well, I would want to, I'd want to know the balance of my car loan, the balance of my student loan. Yep. Interest I, rates. I'd want to know the interest rates on both of them. Mm -hmm. The cash available, Jenny, that you have that you said extra money to put on some debt. Is that extra lump sum or is it extra cash flow? So what that means, yeah. So if they were the exact same interest rate and exact same balance, which one would you apply first? Well, this is interesting. So, so Kevin, help me on this because we were just watching a YouTube video. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, so student loans are, um, what's the phrase that Jordan used? 
Indentured servitude. You yeah. can't you you can't get out of it. Right. I mean, your only option is to pay it off. Yeah. And Student loans are 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 like herpes. Like you you can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm did, serious. Did Jordan Peterson say that? No, I but I mean, I think Ken Fisher did. Um, <laughs> here, here's the thing: <laughs> ignore the the metaphors and everything. No, you're right. The only way the student loan goes away is if you pay it off. Right. right? It's not going to just magically disappear for you. Whereas, you know, a, a car loan, technically, you could sell the car and hopefully satisfy the loan. And that debt goes away. That that obligation is gone at that point. M- many people consider a student loan to be one of the riskiest forms of debt because of that. Uh, the bankruptcy laws don't protect you, in other words. But, but if you're looking at these two, you get a small tax. You get a tax deduction on the interest of your student loan. Okay. So does that does that tax benefit sway you at all? I, this is no, no. Okay, yeah. so it, it shouldn't. I, I'm just I'm just right. Saying. So I so I actually um, would. This is what I'm assuming. I'm assuming same interest rate, same principal balance. I think I'd go after the car loan first because bigger payment. Uh, well, even if even if everything was equal, oh, okay. interest rate, balance, payment was the same. I'd still go after the I'd go after the car loan first because it's probably got a shorter time horizon. So I'm assuming then that my student loan would go longer than my well, that wouldn't. That would then be your payment uh, would be sorry, 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 sorry. Mike got you. <laughs> you and Mike, no math on the radio show. <laughs> I, but no, I, I would. You know, one of the approaches that we encourage people to take is a debt snowball. So it, it's more likely that one of these has a smaller balance, and go attack that one first because you can eliminate a payment very quickly. And then that freed up payment plus your extras can all go on the remaining balance. You will have more satisfaction in that approach to your debt. Pay them, pay them both off, Jenny. Debt avalanche, That's Jenny. Right. Pay them both off. All right. Great. Thanks for the questions. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us on the KFG team, Merry Christmas. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.